this is Kevin Brittingham from Q, and this is the Q and Ask podcast. Today, I'm with my buddy Jason Vincent of Field Ethos. I think that's how you say it anyway. Jesus, yeah, I can't you can it. Yeah. So, Jason, how are you doing, man? Good, man. I'm uh, just in the truck right now um, in Georgia, kind of not far from your uh, your home turf. So um, yeah, I'll. I got some windshield time and looking forward to talking to you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, um, well, you and I met through some mutual friends, but uh, we got a lot of common interest. But I want to hear about, so I just checked out today. I looked at the website before and some of the stuff, but I checked out the Instagram account today. And, and, and what is it, Journal of Field Ethos or something like that? Field Ethos Journal, yeah, at Field Ethos Journal on Instagram. What a great Instagram account. Like, it's not just all gun porn. Like, you have all the stuff I care about in there. Um, just hunting, adventure-seeking, vehicles, firearms, all kinds of great stuff. But uh, well, you, t- tell, well, tell me and everybody else what, what Field Ethos is and how it started and what's it, what it's about. Yeah, so Field Ethos is a project uh, that um, is run and, and owned by me and – Don Trump Jr. and Colin Jones, who was a uh, former captain of the Carolina Panthers, and then Davis Boyce, who, uh, as you know, um, is a former SEAL sniper, and he's kind of the link that that uh, that, that put you and I together. Um, and yeah. so I was – my background, you, you asked me a little bit earlier about my background. I was a law enforcement officer for nine years, and um, – Spent, spent uh, a good portion of that as a game warden, and then the last three years, uh, I, I left uh, DNR and was a special agent for three years. I'd rather not even talk about the agency I worked with because I hated them so much, but um, <laughs> I was a special agent, but but not in the FBI. I'll just say that. And um, and so I was just really sick of some of the things that that uh, were going on internally in that in that agency, and so. Um, I was looking to make a switch, and that switch was to Sporting Classics Magazine, which is a really cool, um, well-established, older brand uh, in the sure, world. Sure, sure is. A lot of like Hemingway and Capstick and just really cool old writing, yeah. really good literary articles and, and, and cool stuff like that. And those guys that I worked with there, they're still like my uncles. I think I was – I was – uh I was one of the younger guys on the team and, and just really enjoyed hanging out with those guys. But what I quickly realized there is that there wasn't much of a pipeline for uh, the next generation, the up-and-comers uh, of the outdoors. And their content is just mature enough to where uh, it really caters to that aficionado type of personality in the outdoors, which – you know, guys like you and I, we're we're still at an age where, you know, we're we're kind of doing the bigger trips and and some of that kind of stuff, and and uh, we're not, you know, so much in the reflective stage of our lives. And so, um, I wanted to start something that was for guys like you and I, and I think that's why you like the Instagram is because it's we have very similar personalities, and it's a lot of different type of content. It's kind of an eclectic array of, of outdoor stuff, everything from vintage land cruisers and land rivers to 
um, bespoke safari rifles, and then you've got ARs in there and, and you know, cool culinary stuff, um, good drink cocktails, just stuff that, like, honestly, I don't even know what I'm going to put up that day. You know, that's why. I, I yeah, I, I, I love it. Well, I, it's because I, I, I don't really – I don't have an editorial calendar or anything for our Instagram. It's just like, what, am, what do I feel like looking at today for a little bit? And I'll get inspired by something, and then um, and then I'll create some content around it. And uh, a lot of times it's just images from some of my trips or Don's trips or whatever. Um, I'll go through kind of our bank of images and come up with some cool content, or I'll go make a liquor drink and take some photos of it and put it up. And So it's just very much like, based off of my mood and who knows what that's going to be like. So um, that's why it's just, it's just kind of a smorgasbord of different outdoor related stuff. Yeah. You know, I think it's great. And I I related to it instantly. And I I think when it is sort of organic and it's genuine, like it's obvious and you can't hide it. Um, You know, you just can't fake that sort of thing. And you're right. It is like you think vintage land cruiser. Like I had one when I moved from Atlanta uh, what, probably six years ago to New Hampshire. And I tell you, my, our buddy Dave Kramer, who runs the Special Operations Care Fund, he always told me if I ever sold it, like he wanted it. And I tell you, I, one of the things I've done in life that made me the happiest was I just surprised him the day I was leaving and told him to come over, and I just gave it to him. And Oh, wow. He got, he got emotional about it and was so excited because it was like his dream vehicle for he and his boys for camping. And it was awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I had a 88 fuel injected one with 119,000 original miles on it. Oh, and wow. It had been my hunting vehicle for a couple of years, but was pristine. And I thought, well, take it to New Hampshire. It's going to get ruined. And Dave loves it more than I do. And, you know, like, I love those things. It was my buddy, Johnny Nevesky. Um, you know, it was a vehicle that he drove as well. And, uh, you know, the, the vintage land cruiser. So yeah, I, I saw one on your, your site today and it, it, you're right. It's like, I love ARs and modern guns and I hunt with them. I hunt with the honey badger that we produce, but I also have a love for everything from the custom blousers to the African big bore guns, like yeah. all of it. I, I love it all. And so having a place where you can see all of these things. And then for me too, like dedicating a lot of my year, to hunting and it's majority of what I eat are things that I harvest. So recipes and then even the drinks. Like I made myself a drink an old fashioned before I sat down to do this inter- or this podcast. Oh, perfect. So, so, so all all that stuff. Yeah, we're in the same the the same position and and sort of time and in, in our lives where all that stuff relates and is interesting. Well, back to the Land Cruiser stuff. Like I've had a couple of those things and. And you never have to look far to get rid of one of them. I mean, everybody loves oh, them. No. You and I love them. I mean, yeah. there's a cult following behind them. Um, I've been in, in 2005 or 2006, one of those years, uh, and I was there. I crossed over the, the new year in Uganda, Africa, and we crashed the Land Cruiser. And um, yeah. it had like three, we had like 300,000 miles into it. We plowed into a taxi cab. And, um, mm-hmm. and the thing, and honestly, the thing just kept on going. We drove it for like another four hours. Um, but it was, uh, it was a great vehicle. Nobody was hurt, by the way. The cab driver was fine. Everybody's fine. But, um, I came back from that trip and I was like, okay, I'm a Land Cruiser guy now. And, um, 
So I just love those things. And, and as far as giving it to your buddy, I think one of the best things you can do for one of the best things you can do for your own like your your own well being and and own happiness and things like that is just to do stuff just do nice things for people and and nothing nothing like charges you up and fuels fuels you with more positivity than helping somebody or doing something nice for them. Um, in that case, it doesn't yeah, sound yeah, like. It's I mean, just not hard. Yeah, that wasn't it's really not, a help thing. It's just doing something nice for somebody. Yeah, and it's not hard because you know what I thought about it was Dave spends so much of his time for a, a charity, started the charity, and then so much of his time for no money doing something he believes in, which a lot of us do. You know, the Special Operations Care Fund is they take zero money out. All the money goes to, you know, special operations guys or their families that need it. And, you know, like that's where his passion is. And to see like a friend that gives so much of his time, you know, it makes you feel like a bum because like, what am I doing? You know, and, yeah. and there was yeah. no way I was like, there was no way I was going to sell it to someone else. And there's no way I was going to take money from him. And, yeah, uh, sure. You know, so interesting where he thought like, he didn't deserve it. And I was like, you're, you're out of your damn mind, man. Like, you're, you're the nicest person I know. Like, yeah, you, you should get this. Um, That's very cool. So, so anyway. Well, well, well know, just kind of back, back to, to you guys. Ethos and something I wanted to, wanted to mention because you and I have talked about this before and, and, uh, we started to touch on it before we went into the Instagram thing is that, um, you know, I wanted to, do something that wasn't a bought and paid for mouthpiece for the industry, right? Like if, if we're not going to represent any brand or any product in field ethos that we would not buy or take on a trip ourselves. So I don't care if it's, um, you know, some so the next cool, the, the next cool thing from a big manufacturer and they want us to promote it and they want to put money behind it. If, like, first of all, I can look at something online these days and go, you know, without even putting it in my hands, go, okay, no, like, they cut corners on that, and we're not going to use it. And so we, uh, it, our thing is you will never see a product promoted in field ethos that we would not hunt with ourselves. And we, we take big hunts like you do. I mean, we'll, we'll travel across the world. And, oh, yeah. And, and so, Yeah, that's and where I get it all the well, you know, so not stuff like that. Shit across the country or, or across the world. No, that, that might like, fail for on how much? Or, or something that. Yeah, if I'm getting to go on like a Cape Buffalo hunt or something where I have to dedicate tons of money, time, you know, a time resource to travel across the world. Like, how much money do you have to give me to possibly ruin my trip? Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I think in terms of those things, because I get everyday people message me on Instagram probably like they do you, and they'll be like, hey, the fix, what optic do you recommend? It's like, well, what are you going to be doing if they say, I'm going to be hunting? And probably like you guys, and I know Don especially, but I get free shit from everyone, everyone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. All they the give me stuff. Like yep. you, all the clothes I'm wearing right now, rainbow flip-flops were given to me. Sorry, the train's going by my house. The, um... You know, I have on some weird tiger stripe pants that are the most comfortable things in the world that tactical distributors sent me. Um, you know, I, but people give me stuff all the time, and half of it I don't like and I don't use and I would never promote it. I'm thankful that they gave it to me. 
But, yeah. you know, I'm not going to promote it if I don't like it, no matter what you give me. But, you know, people ask me, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna hunt with the gun. What do I get? And I'm like, you get a Swarovski. That's what I use, and it's my favorite. And I only started getting free Swarovski this past year. Like, I bought yeah. all my first dozen of them. Um, when, when I got free scopes from everyone, including Leopold, who I like and make great scopes, and Voodoo, and other companies. But if I'm hunting, well, Swarovski's the best. That's what I'm using. The thing is, is, like guys like you and I take big enough trips, and we we have learned uh, the hard way, probably on small trips or backyard trips, that nothing nothing is worse than like having a gear, a, a gear failure when you're supposed to be enjoying or, or pushing yourself hard on a hunt. Like you don't want to worry about your gear. And so if you put the time in, you spend the money up front. You buy the good product, even if it's a reach for you. Buy, the, buy what you know is going to get the job done. And then when it's time to go hunting, you're focused on the hunt. You're 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 able to take off and take in all the sights. You're able to enjoy yeah. the experiences with your buddies and have cool conversations. And you're not you're not dicking with your gear on the side of a mountain. So yeah, it's and like, we 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 just won't. We just will not. We will not. Take, we will not be the mouthpiece for companies that just want to throw money at something and get it get it promoted. We're not going to do it. So um, it's, well, we have it, a little bit of a so, different, different philosophy. Well, it's so good to hear because I know, like, mainstream media probably in general, but especially our industry, I, I can't tell you the last time I looked at a gun magazine because it's such bullshit because whoever has the inside cover and the back cover gets articles written about them and they're the best firearm or product ever in the industry, no matter even if it's middle of the road because of yeah. the advertising money. Like, how do you trust it? Well, h- how do you guys do this then? And, you know, h- how are you able to produce this content and be Here, free from that influence? And in our there are plenty of companies that make good products that we can get behind. And we can – there's a long list. And I remember when I was telling – uh, you know, an, another person that was experienced and seasoned in outdoor media, my philosophy about we're not going to just represent anything and everything and take money from everybody. And he's like, dude, you you won't have the revenue. And I said, that's not true. There's enough good gear out there. Uh, and if we do a, a good enough job, um, you know, creating content and fielding these items and, and promoting these items that, that we trust, there's enough money there to support the project. And I knew there would be, and there has been. And and so, so we wonderful. work with companies like we work with companies like Swarovski, like uh, Leupold just sent me two of the uh, Mark V optics, and I'll say, man, um, I, that may be my favorite scope right now. And and I like I'm a I'm a Leupold fan. I've been using them for a long time, but I went straight European, like most people. Uh, that, that take a bunch of trips, like you get convinced that you have to use a Swaro or, or something else and, or, or, um, you know, whatever. And Loophole, Loophole sent me these Mark Fives and I've been blown away by them, but like the Leicas. I think, well, I think that is the best. Yeah, well, Leica's great too, obviously, but I think the Loophole Mark Fives probably the best scope they've ever made, maybe. But I do, when people tell me they're going to do, you know, shoot to 1,000 yards and shoot target, stuff like that. Um, that is one scope that I recommend. 
and I like yep. it. I have one. I actually gave my assistant one for Christmas because she built a fix for herself, and that's what I gave her. And I like it, too, because you can get a lit reticle in it, where you can't with, yep. like, the Mark VI 3 to 18. So, and well, that, that's go sub $2,000. It's awesome. And it's it's just kind of a, a bulletproof optic. And, and if you have, it, you know, it, I don't know, it's it, it's – if, if you're not going to spend the extra money to get like a my longest range kill in the field is with a Collis K525i, which is lights out scope. I mean, it, like to me for a long range scope, that's a that's a tough one to beat. Um, but it's a very expensive optic. I mean, it's I think thirty two, thirty three hundred bucks at least. A lot of um, money. And so yeah, it's a lot of money, but it, you get what you pay for. It's very good. And I think, that, honestly, I think the I think the, the loophole uh, Mark V can can uh, compete. It can hang in there. The glass may not quite edge out that that college glass, but it's good stuff. But it's, it's there are you and I could talk all day about guns and scopes and you know rings and and ammo and stuff like that that we like. And and I guess the reason I'm saying that is because. Every one of those products that we have is something that we can that we can stand behind and something that we can work with an advertiser on. You know, if well, that's if awesome. So if pay. you're just saying, yeah, if you're saying you're taking advertising only from companies that you would buy their products, that yeah. that's fucking awesome and it's a great start. And it it's it's to me, if you're gonna rely on media for an evaluation, that's the way it has it has to be. Um, yeah. and, and you got to have guys that actually go in the field and do it. They, there are manufacturers, there are great manufacturers out there that have, you know, different tiers of products, right? Like those, those yeah. companies that we've already named. And so if it's, you know, if it's a certain trip and, and, um, I feel like a Z3 will get it done, you know, a Z3 is a great, great Swarovski or some of the, some of the lower end loopholes are great scopes. But if it's, if it's a big hunt, I'm going to say, look, guys, it's just, you know, I understand that that product needs a certain price point, but that that's not the type of gear we need for this hunt. So um, if you want us to promote your brand, it's got to be this. Um, and yeah. it, honestly, I haven't had one one person uh, that, that I've reached out to on the product side of these companies or the marketing side of these companies that had any problem with that. And another, another conversation that I had with, with Dean at Swarovski was I said, look, you know, I love Swarovski scopes. I've been using them for a long time. I've been using the Collis now for two years, and I said we are going to be working with your competition. If that's a problem, we need to we need to hash that out right now because we are going to be working with your competition. And he said flat out, he said competition's good. I have no problem with that at all. And so that's one. Um, you know, even the guys, the 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 guys within these companies that are, you know, they're controlling their ad budgets. Most they're they're all reasonable. Um, they you know, a, a lot of these guys will will say, "Hey, we want to send you this, and and you know, we're going to get you guys to show this off." And you know, that's their job. That's their job is to get this stuff seen for their company. My job is to say, "No, um, we're just we're not going to use it." Um, and so that's that's the path we're taking. Will we will we leave money on the table doing that? Absolutely. Um, you know, are there magazines out there that'll bring in a hell of a lot more revenue than us, uh, because they have a different philosophy? 100%. Um, but there's still enough, there, there's still enough out there, you know, that we can, that we can promote and that I could go 
okay, Kevin's one day going to read this article, and he might buy this scope. And I don't want this guy to end up in Africa with this scope. Uh, so there, you know, there are enough products out there to where I can put it, you know, I can put it in an article, um, or send it to one of our writers in the field. And if you read it and you take it and I'll be able to look you in the eye and be like, Kevin, yes, if you saw it on our, if you saw it on our website, if you heard about it on our podcast or, um, you, you, you saw it in one of our emails or something, yes, buy it. It's solid, you know? So, um, and that's I don't know, great. I feel like, so, I feel like so... we owe that to people. Yeah, sure. It, it's great, and it's been lacking for so long. And I know you and I have talked about it previously. It's you know I got into YouTube about a year ago when I got like realized that a smart television when my kids showed me. But um, where you can find reviews on stuff now from people who are very knowledgeable and enthusiastic, and you know, and oftentimes they're doing it for free, or they just you know maybe they get paid some by YouTube. But they're not getting paid by manufacturers. You, and you can get good evaluation from consumers who are technically knowledgeable about the product and now have experience in comparison to other products. And I use it for yeah. reference. Like I actually, I bought a, a Tesla today and I've been wanting one for a long time and wanted to support, uh, you know, just kind of the vision and, yeah. and, and the idea of electric cars and, and not, it's not me necessarily being green but i also love electric because you have infinite torque so you know i've had lamborghinis and this car is faster it has like ludicrous plus mode in it i got a model s with like everything and it's faster than any lamborghini you can buy and it's a five adult luxury sedan and oh my god it's so cool but you know i I was torn for a little while on which ones to get and all i did was you know, you can listen to the salespeople, you can read all the stuff, but then it's like usability of products as well, and you can't get that from those things. Yeah. And this is an expensive yeah. purchase, so I don't want to make a mistake. And so I watch YouTube reviews for several days of people comparing them, and I learned a lot, and there was a consistent message and things that were important to me, and it told me this is the car. You know, it's worth spending the extra money to get this car. Um, and that's a great resource, you know. Uh, I tell you, I like I tell people all the time with reviews, and and this is something that like I, I don't know. I just found this in my own experience, but um, I love I do the same thing before I make a serious purchase. I'm like I I over research the hell out of it, and and I'm obsessed with with doing that. And my wife is always just like, "What are you looking at now?" And, and I'm like, "Oh, it's just the twelfth hour of me looking at this," and mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, but but I tell people with reviews like, okay, so you see a product and it's got ten negative reviews, right? Don't necessarily let that keep you from buying it because and 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 you will know this in your own business because you manufacture high end products. For every negative review, there's a thousand happy customers that didn't get off their lazy ass and go write you a positive review. So it's like you, the the negative review stuff for companies is very lopsided as well. Like, um, and and I'm guilty of it myself. If I get like a kick-ass product, like I'm I'm in my Ford F-150 that I bought in November, and it, yep. I love it. It's uh awesome truck. Uh, does everything yep. I needed to do. Super comfortable. Whatever. It's great. Have I gone and like done some positive review on it? And I haven't. And I probably should because. You know, it's companies get hammered online 
and I'm sure I'm sure you guys have had negative reviews. Every company does. But what people don't realize when they read like one or two negative reviews on a product is that like, okay, you read one or two negative reviews, you know, two has sold four thousand of those. And those people are out there loving the hell out of the product. They just haven't taken the time to every one of them go in and put in their review of it to offset, you know, a few hiccups along the way. You know what I mean? It's like the negative review stuff too. You just got to take it sometimes with a grain of salt. Now, if it's like overwhelming, obviously stay away from it, but um, don't always let the negative review keep you from trying something out yourself. But um, yeah, especially like in our world, you know, we're hunters and, uh, you know, like you were talking about your land cruiser, it's not really about like, and for us, it's not about going green. It's just cool to where you can support stuff like that that are, you know, better for the environment and things like that. I'm not some super. Well, green, I love. I do love that kind. I of love stuff. innovation. Like yeah. innovation and in, like I have to use a car every day, like most of us. So whether it's my television or it's my grill or it's guns or it's my vehicle, things that I use every day, flip flops, you know, pants. I mean, you name it, ammo. Any innovation in something that affects my daily life, I want to support innovation. Well, like, I'm only going to live so long. I've been pretty fortunate. I've got some financial resource. How can I improve my daily life or experience? And, you know, I have three children. If you're telling me I can have, like, a luxury sedan that's zero to 60 in two and a half seconds, and I don't ever have to buy gas for it, and it's comfortable (laughs) to drive, and, you know, it'll drive itself, like all these things, um, I'm all about it. You know, like, it's a bonus that it's probably better for the environment. And But, yeah. you know, supporting someone like crazy-ass Elon Musk that's actually not cool sitting on Yeah, and he, but, you know, whether you like him or you don't, like, he's not sitting on his ass, you know, just counting his money. He's like most people, that degree of success, like it's about the next thing and improving life. Yeah. And, like, he's not trying to be the richest guy in the world. He's trying to be the most influential. And I don't think that was even the point. It's like he wants to make everything better. And, like, how do yeah, you not he's support just, that? He's pushing the envelope every day when he gets out of bed. He's like, what yeah, What can so I do? Yeah, so cool. Today? Yeah, the guy yeah, is a and, cool man. And, and his, his, like, uh, you know, personal stuff, politics, whatever, I don't care about that, like, He's just cool. He's, he gets up and he's hard charging and that's how he's built what he's built. I mean, they just like, I think they are going to be the first, uh, privatized space exploration company. I mean, it's like the guy's just nuts, you know, he's, he's cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. So man, yeah, I was looking through your, uh, list of podcasts. You've got a podcast as well, right? Let's see it on your. Yeah, we do, and and we um. So we've taken we've taken a couple months off of it while we kind of ramp up our production. Um, and we're still honestly we're still ironing out some kinks with that. Um, the podcast stuff is is a lot of fun. Uh, we want to make sure it's something that people get something out of, and uh, and so we took a little bit of a break. We all felt like it could be better. Um, we just, uh, we just met last night and recorded one in person last night. Um, turned out good. Uh, we've, Colin Jones is, is kind of taking over the production side. So he played his last year in the NFL last, last season. And, um, and as he was, as he was 
making up his mind not to play another year, um, he just said, man, like, I really want to dive in head first with field ethos and, and uh, just really create some sweat, sweat equity in the brand for myself. And, um, and he was kind of, he's, he's super intelligent and a great businessman. And so uh, he's doing some things on that side, but uh, one of the things he felt like he could really contribute, contribute to is managing the podcast, not being on the podcast, but managing the production of the podcast and making sure we had the right line of the people and, and things like that. So we're in the process of, of, tooling all that up and, and getting back out there with it. But yeah, that, that's something that, that we did do. And, um, this past year or, or this, this past six months, really, Don, uh, Don kind of had a lot of downtime in COVID, uh, in the evenings where he wasn't, you know, on a campaign trail or on Fox News or whatever, you know, a lot of the stuff he normally does. Uh, so his evenings were pretty wide open since they were really locked down in New York and, and uh so we had a lot of time to to record some cool ones with Don and um we've we've had everybody from Luke Keekley to Lucas Hanley, who's uh a world class free diver and one of the leading experts in breath holding techniques and, and uh he teaches breath holding. So we've done we've done some interesting things with the podcast and I'm looking forward to getting that back going. Yeah, I was looking at it here and then you've got one with Don, you've got one I mean, for me the one I can't wait to listen to is Jeff Rowley is one of the best, pro, and everybody I think would say Rowley, but I think it's actually Rowley, best pro skaters in the yeah, history Rowley. of the world. Yeah, that's kind, of in your, he, that's kind of in your world. Yeah, and he's a guide living in Arizona. Doesn't he live in Arizona? I think it's Arizona. He lives in Cali. Um, oh, he, he does? Uh, yeah, he lives in L.A., but during uh, during COVID, he, he – uh, he's been kind of odd now at his, at his uh, mountain place. I think they're, I think they might be back in LA now, but um, I know he was really enjoying being up there with his kids and his wife and, and they were just like uh, overdosing on the outdoors all the time. So um, I don't know if he's going to, if he's going to, you know, he'll, I think it's his company and everything is based in LA, but I do know that he seemed to really be enjoying his, his time up in the mountains, but yeah, he was a lot of fun on the podcast. Another guy yeah, that's really good is uh, Brendan Burns, um, the conservation director of Kuyu. Um, oh, we did, Kuyu! What a cool company with, they are in general. They are they are a cool company, and Brendan is like, um, I, from and this is not from my experience saying this because I'm not a bow hunter, but from some of the best bow hunters I know, they say he's the best bow hunter in the world, um, and the oh, dude wow. just. I talked to him yesterday, as a matter of fact, and um, he had just gone and done a, uh, I think like a round or like a quick round trip. I don't even think he stayed a night. He got up early, 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 and, and drove out of state, killed a killed a nice uh, antelope buck, and um, and packed it out. Got back in his truck and drove home. I think he was like, I think he was gone for like eighteen hours. Uh, but just to kill an antelope with your bow, put a seventy. 72-yard 72 72-yard 72 shot, dropped it right where it was standing, packed it out, got back in his truck and went home. But he's the, he's the conservation director for Kuyu. He's done some really cool things, but just that conversation on that podcast, if there's one podcast that we've done that I say you have to listen to, uh, it would be the conversation with Brendan because his, his ideas for conservation and, and all the, you know, all the stuff that you and I normally see when we go on YouTube, which is 
a million different films about conservation. Every cool hipster out there is making their own conservation film now. And he's basically just like, enough is enough. There's more films about conservation than there are conservation projects. So he's like, screw it. I'm, I'm doing some really grassroots stuff. And, and he accomplished it and he's got some more projects he's getting ready to do. But if you're going to listen to one of our podcasts, that's the one to listen to for sure. Well, okay. I will. That's exciting. Um, yes. I mean, people don't realize probably that don't shoot a bow or bow hunt, but 72 yards with a bow is incredible. I've never made a shot even at 50 yards. And, yeah, an antelope is not big. It's not like you're shooting an elk. Um, no, and a so, stalk on an antelope is tough. I mean, those things are wily, you know? Oh, yeah, because um, they're, out, they're out in the plains. They're out in the open. Um, if if, if yeah. you said, hey, uh, I need you to pick someone, they only have 18 hours start to finish to go kill an antelope with a bow, I'd be like, all right, send Brendan Burns because that dude will kill one. Um, and, and he, you know, he just nonchalantly brought it up in our conversation yesterday, but, um, but yeah, so honestly, we need to have you on, on our podcast, um, just kind of pick your brain about, uh, some, some innovations that are, that are still out there to be done with firearms. Cause that's kind of, all of us are connected by that on our, on the field ethos team. Like we love rifles, we love guns and, and, uh, you kind of like, I didn't even know when I met you. So you and I got put in touch and you happened to be in Atlanta that day. I happened to be in Atlanta. You were like, Hey dude, let's go grab a beer. So we both roll into this nice bar. Both of us are wearing our rainbow flip flops, which by the way, we're both wearing right now. Um, yeah. and we sit down and, and we're talking and just having a few beers and chit chatting. And you said, uh, so I was asking you kind of your background. You're like, yeah, I started at AAC and I was like, like the AAC that, made suppressors and 300 blackout. And you're like, yeah, I, I mean, I had no idea when I sat down and talked to you that day that, that, uh, that was something you started. So, uh, when it comes to oh, firearms yeah. and innovation and stuff like that, you're, you're kind of an authority that we would love to love to just pick your brain on some cool stuff sometime. Oh, thank you. I, I would love it. You know, it, it is interesting because I was a kid in the industry for so long and now, you know, this is my 27th year. Um, and, you know, I have, because, you know, I get my fair amount like Don does or whatever, fair amount of hate and stuff, and I'm probably the mouthiest guy in the industry. But, um, you know, no matter what, I've always been a part of good teams, and I've collected good teams, and we've accomplished a lot of things that people know of, but they don't necessarily know that we're responsible for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I would love it, because even hunting with silencers and, um, but firearms in general, innovations, things that are on the horizon that you and I will get to appreciate and things probably beyond that. But, um, you know, I still wake up every day just as passionate about my vocation as I did when I was 19 years old and started advanced armament. Like, I love it. Like, I was just today, yeah. before you and I got on here, I've taken uh, my woman shooting tomorrow. And, uh, she picked the guns we're gonna shoot, and so I was cleaning my MP5 SD and loading magazines and everything. That's, you know, one of the guns she wants to shoot, and I can't wait, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it's still what I do every, every day, and I love it, and I, I wouldn't, you know, there's nothing I would rather do. Um, and you know, you think about, and I mentioned this in, in one of my last podcasts, but time doing things and where you're considered an expert in America at 10,000 hours. And, you know, conservatively, we'll say 
I spend 60 hours a week working, um, which, you know, when it's your passion and it's your business, you spend all of your time doing it. So it's way more time than that. But, you know, if we say that, what is that? 60 hours a week times 52 equals 3,100 hours times 27 years. I have 85,000 hours doing my job. You're an expert by American standards. At 10, yeah. And even by Japanese standards at 40 hours. So, yeah, yeah. I've got, you've been I've got there. a lot of experience. You've been there and you've done it. Yeah, with the military, with the commercial market. I told somebody about you the other day. We were talking about the Q rifle and, and – not the Q rifle, but the uh, the fix. And, and um, yeah. I, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, like he started he started AAC at 19 when he couldn't even get a business loan, which was like probably one of the greatest things uh, that, that could have happened. Um, I mean, you just had to grind out and hustle. And, um, and so you, you like, you never owed anybody with any, with AAC, you know? Um, and I just thought that was a very cool, very cool story. It it, like, it, it, that stuck with me. Um, you know, a couple of things you said that night stuck with me, but that was certainly one of them. Um, yeah. And then, uh, the next night you and I were at the dirt. Probably was good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, I like everything. You know, like anything that's fun and interesting. I mean, I, I like doing it all. But I tell you, you're right. Starting at 19 when you couldn't get loans, and especially for firearm stuff, it served me well. I mean, I, I think now, like I, when I bought the Tesla today, um, the the guy couldn't believe that I was just going to, like, write a check for it. And, yeah. you know, explaining to him. And, of course, you know, the companies now want you to always to finance everything and like, I haven't had a mortgage in probably 20 years. And yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I've never had a car payment. Um, you know, and it's not like I'm the richest guy in the world. I've done okay. But that, you know, those lessons from when I was young and in business, and I wanted advanced armament to be successful, and I wanted to do that for my career more than I wanted anything. So I sacrificed. I sacrificed a lot. And, you know, some of those lessons stuck with me. And I tell you, it's funny now because, you know, I get paid pretty well at my company, and I don't have a lot of bills, really. And, uh, you know, I asked my – I have a personal assistant, and I asked her uh, yesterday when I was going to buy the car. I was like, hey, I think I'm going to buy a car today. And uh, she's like, okay. I said, is there enough money in the checking account to buy it? And she's like, what are you buying? Because, you know, I've had, like, exotic cars and stuff in the past. Yeah. And and I told her and she's like, "Well, how much are those?" <laughs> and I told her <laughs> and she started laughing. She's like, "You don't you don't know what's in your ch-? I, no, not really. I mean, I guess I can go look if you tell me the number or where I can like look in online." And she's like, "You can buy six of them today." No. <laughs> 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 and I was That's like, great. "Oh, good." Okay. I just want But does it occur to you but, like or is, is it lost on you like that this is very much uh, parallel to the to the Tesla type stuff and to Elon Musk. Does, does that occur to you? Uh, what my life choices would like finance? Well, not stuff? not just just where you like. Yeah, I mean you've you started a company, you worked really hard, uh, made some good business moves. Um, you don't owe anybody anything. You wake up every day. Mm-hmm. You're still passionate about work. 
you still go into the office. You're still spending a ton of time a week trying to advance stuff. Um, and, I mean, honestly, just on paper, um, you know, maybe remove a zero or two um, from the bottom line. But, I mean, there's a lot of parallels between you and that guy. Um, and and that's probably why you wanted that car uh, on some level. <laughs> it's, it's an innovative thing. And, uh, and you just yeah, like innovative cool. things. Yeah. Well, I, I would, yeah, I do, and and I would say this, um, you know, I've had rough times like everyone has, and what my personal life is much more difficult for me than everything else, and you know, I put a lot of time and effort into that, and um, you know, trying to get better at those sorts of things, and and I've made a lot of poor choices that have cost me a lot, and um, you know, but even on my worst days, I know how fortunate I am. And most men would probably trade lives with me. Like, I, I am yep. conscientious of that, and I'm thankful for that. And, um, you know, it's not the finance thing. Like, once I started making a lot of money, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was kind of a focus for a while because I always I, I always thought it was going to go away the next day, you know. But now I'm very com- – at 46, I'm very comfortable with who I am and that I am good at my job. And I'm always going to be able to feed myself. It's very hard to starve to death in this country in general. But I don't have to worry about a lot of things. My kids are getting older, and they're very well taken care of, and I've provided for them no matter what happens to me. So I have that comfort level. And then, you know, I'm not afraid of failing, and I'm not afraid of ridicule, and especially in a time where, you know, when you talked about negative reviews, yeah, we get those, and I get attacks on me personally, whatever. It's always anonymous. Like, there is no peer of mine in our industry that talks shit about me in regards to our company or products or innovation. You know, and, and yeah. you and I both know at our ages, you dig into anyone's personal life, they're skeletons. Um, sure. And I don't care. Like, I think Tom Hanks, for instance, is kind of freaking Looney Tunes with some of his political stuff. But he's a great actor, and he's made great movies that expose and show, um, you know, some great, some great times in our country and sacrifices that people made. And I'm talking about like Private Ryan or Band of Brothers and things like this. Um, yep. And those things are important. You know, and I look at Tom Hanks as an artist, and he, his body of work is incredible. Like I'm not friends with Tom Hanks. I don't care if he's a lunatic. Doesn't bother me. Don't care, because I'm not trying to be his buddy. Just like with Elon Musk, I'm supporting what he does. Um, but, yeah, with my with my life, you know, I don't – I'm very selfish in the sense that I'm doing this for me. And I love the innovation, and I love bringing 300 Blackout to market. I love um, designing stuff that the special operations of our country and – you know, it's allies used. That's important, and that was fulfilling for some period of time. Um, but all this stuff I do selfishly, really. It benefits yeah. everyone, no, I get and I'm gener- and I'm generous, but I do it because it makes me feel good. And I'm not, you know, I'm just not apolo- apologetic for any of that. Um, and the personal stuff, like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me personally. I, I don't. I just don't, especially if you're anonymous or you've never accomplished anything in your life. Why would I care what you say about me? Yeah, like for sure. No, that, stuff, that. that stuff's pretty easy, but you know, um, yeah, I, I'm 
I'm happy with my life and and what we've accomplished and you know I'm happy with the father that I am and the friend that I am and you know the partner that I am and you know I know I take great care of my employees and I'm concerned with our customer experience and things that I value you know for my set of morals um so yeah I no, feel I, I feel I, fortunate I get that and I think there's a lot of uh you know there's I feel the same way about this project that we're working on is that, you know, it's not for everybody. I get that a lot of people aren't going to like it. Um, we are not going to do the political correct bullshit stuff that, that every other magazine out there does. Uh, we're not going to pull punches and, and, um, we're just going to tell, tell things the way we see them. And, and so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the process of building something too. And, and uh and we're building it the way we want to do it. And um and it's so cool because the like journey you, really is the cool thing. Like it's, it is. It's, it's, the, it's like it's I, the I good spend time. the same amount of time working than you do. I mean I, I work all the time and uh I work a lot and I have three young kids and and I try my best not to uh not to kind of neglect the family stuff, but I work a lot. It's because I love what I do and I, I really like what we're working on and what we're building and, and uh I feel like it, I feel like it's gonna, you know, it, it's gonna be good for other people too. I think that, that, uh, we can add something to, to people's lives. One thing that, that, one thing that we're trying to do, and, and this is gonna sound nerdy, but, um, one thing that we're, one thing that our content does is it bridges the gap between social media and a print article. And we are gonna do print in 2021, but, um, uh, people just don't read anymore, Kevin. They like, they they just the only reason they do Instagram is social like. media yeah it's like it's on Instagram like they just they they don't want to read and so the the I want to see pictures out through our email or on our website yeah we, ours are photographic rich and and stuff like that but our articles are short and we tell you before you even open up the email or you when you look at the article on our website like this is a three minute read or this is a five minute read so you know before you even click on it how long it's going to take you to read. So it's it's in between the length of a social media post and a and a print and a print piece, and the reason like I wanted to stretch a little bit longer than than just having these super short articles, I wanted it to have you know a, a, another minute or two to take you to read it, it's because honestly like I'm worried that if we can't pull people away from social media to these to these other things that we're doing then people are just going to stop reading altogether. And, and, you know, in 10 years from now, if we just keep going down this track and you hand a kid a book, they're going to be like, I am not spending, you know, the next four nights reading this book. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And what a, what a shame that'll be for some of the greatest, some of the greatest pieces of literature out there, uh, stuff that you and I like, like, you know, Hemingway, Capstick, all, all these other, all these well, great writers that just will, will be left on the shelf forever. And so I wonder um, if that's the that's way it, it's meant it's meant to be though, like you know sculpture or um you know wood carvings like I have like a a fair amount of wood reduction art, which most people don't even know what that is um but I wonder if like a a lot of these arts over time they're supposed to die and be a relic, and something else comes up like I don't know like it it is sad when I think of some of the great stories that I've read um but you know, I don't. I don't know. I just I mean, don't want to. I just don't want to facilitate fast. laziness. You know, I like, <laughs> a, a big part of it for me is like I don't want to be a conduit for people just becoming lazier, lazier. 
and and so um, I do want yeah. I do want to have all I do want to kind of have I also believe in meeting people where they are right so like you meet like you gotta you gotta be on social media you gotta do those short pieces and just the kind of mindless stuff that, that even though people like it they don't have to engage much with it so you do that so that like you can you can meet them right your brand can meet them right there and then you can say by the way here's you know here's a cool social media post if you want to read the full article. Uh, click the link in our in our profile and go read the full article, and then well, here's I, I, I will say, yeah, once you make a connection, those people will read or listen to whatever you do, and they'll be engaged. Um, you know, I don't know. Some of it, I think, is laziness. Like I, I'm lazy in a lot of ways, but I think a lot of it is also efficiency. Like if I yeah. only have two hours a night to do research and look online and do these things. What's the most efficient way, meaning I want all the information I can get in the least amount of time? And I don't know. I I mean, hopefully there's a place for all of it, but I'm not certain. But I'm willing to. But I'll say it's different with you and I. Like, you and I want want a break in the evening, and and that's maybe consuming some content on social media or whatever um, because we're, we're, we're spent for the day, right? We don't want to invest another hour in the day and, and reading something after we've, we've worked, you know, 10 hours that day or 12 hours that day. But a lot of what I'm seeing is like, this, you know, our biggest demographic on social media is 25 to whatever that, 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 that 34, uh, 25 to 34 is I think how they have it divided on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and that's our, that's our biggest, uh, biggest segment of followers, which is great. That's exactly what we're after. That's interesting. Um, You're saying that I'm going to look and see what mine is right now, now that you just said that. Yeah. Um, uh, they, like, and, uh, our, our like 18 to 25 or whatever is, is pretty strong as well. Um, and then the group right after that, the 35 to 40 something is, is strong. And, and then it tapers off on both ends. Um, which is what you would expect to see, but that 25 to 34 is kind of the sweet spot, and I feel like that's a that's an age where um, you need to kind of you need to pitch some some more cultural type stuff, like hey, you know, here's a piece on Africa that this guy wrote in 1920, and if you will read this, you will find yourself on a plane to Africa in the next 10 years. Like if you'll read it. And you're a hard worker, yeah. and you're smart with your money. If you read this piece, you're going to be wheels up to Africa in the next ten years. Uh, and so yeah, that's, that's the same that's demographic like that to push people. Largest for us. Well, I, I'll tell you, five or six years ago, there's no way I was going to go to Africa, and yeah. now I go, and I can't wait to go back. And um, you know, hunting's been an interesting thing, and I think it's firearms were my initial passion and i think hunting will be the passion for the second half of my life like i've been hunting now for 10 years or so maybe a little longer and it just progresses and it gets stronger it's the same feeling that i had when i found firearms um and i see now initially like when i got into firearms i loved h and k and the m16 and you know now i've got Every style of firearm you can imagine, pre-World War One stuff, uh, military, hunting, commer- like I have everything. What was it that you and, were posting on your personal Instagram this week? It was a, 
it was a relic, a flat out relic machine gun oh. uh, that you were posting on I, Instagram. Let me look. I, I don't know. I, I've uh, so I just I have a, a pretty large firearm collection, which includes antique stuff and a lot of machine guns. And I just I had it in storage for a few years, and I just relocated it, and so I'm in the process of unpacking it all and displaying yeah. it. And so, um, well, the Delisle carbine, which is a probably one of the rarest firearms I own, it was a in, British Enfield World War II converted to 45 ACP, took modified 1911 mags as an integral silencer. They built 135 of them. It was for That's like century saw. removal. Yeah, and I have like some original blueprints with that. But yeah, and That's I actually I got that on your Instagram this week. Creepy messages about a few things, so I actually took them down. Um, but yeah. that one's on there. But I have so much stuff that I forgot I had like that. Um, that, yeah. you know, is, they need to end up in a museum, and that's probably what I'll do is donate them when I, when I die. Um, I'm too selfish to do it now. Like, I still shoot that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like I have, I sold my most expensive gun, and I had paid about a quarter of the price. I sold for about $350,000, um, about two years ago, and it just got too expensive to shoot. Like, I couldn't risk it. Um, so I, I sold it, but like, I shoot them all. Like I've got a a original stoner 63, which there's only a couple dozen of, and it's a belt fed Navy seal gun from Vietnam. And I shoot it all the time. Um, I, I just love them all. And even the silencers, historical silencers that I have, um, you know, and I have collection of like Maxim, like Hiram Maxim autograph, like all this weird crap that I just would get into for some period of time, then I would buy it all, and I still yeah. have it. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's it's been an interesting life so far. So I'm looking very forward to the second half. Yeah, well, you and I were and, talking uh, over beers, and we were talking about going to Africa together at some point. And I hope we can do that because that would be especially to go. Have you killed a Cape buffalo yet? No, no, I've not killed a Cape Buffalo yet. That is, uh, that is something we need to go do. So I'm trying to, trying to get Mozambique, uh, back on the calendar as soon as, I know that we can fly through Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, which I've flown through there once before, and that was actually a great experience. I like it more than, than flying through Johannesburg, uh, South Africa, but, um, oh. when Mozambique comes back online, we need to grab some, some double rifles or some really stout bolt action guns and, and head down there and hunt some Cape Buffalo. Cause that is, uh, well, let's do it. My buddy, John Hill and I were talking about it this week. He and I hunted Buffalo together last year and, and, uh, he's like, dude, my heart has never pounded so hard. And, uh, I was like, dude, it was, it was uh, it was the peak for both of us. And so, um, we need to, we need to get down there and, and, and do that. And, uh, Let's let's plan that for sure to where we can. Well, you know, let's do it. I would out, love hang it. out in a cool country like that and spend some time hunting those animals because it's a lot of fun. Man, I would love. You know, I'm supposed to be right now in Australia hunting water buffalo, and of course Australia shut it down. Um, yeah. So you know that that's like the nice cousin to the Cape buffalo. Um, so, so I'm supposed to be doing that right now. 
Um, that's that's like high on my bucket list right now. Um, really? The Australian water buffalo. Yes, big time. Because I don't know, like on a on a euro mount or even a shoulder mount, um, those those like you know the the shape and curvature, but the the edges of those horns. You know, they have those that sharp edge. Um, yeah. And just from years of fighting, they get they, they chip that sharp edge of their horns, and they just do. That is to me one of the cool. That that probably is the coolest set of horns. Gary Turner from Tally Rings. I don't know if you know Gary. Um, Gary hunted a uh, free range water buffalo uh, last year, the year before. Anyway, he got his mount in, um, and I saw it in his office, and it was just like it was amazing. Um, and you know, I don't know if you if if since you haven't buffalo hunted uh, yet, it's the meat. The meat's actually fantastic as well. Um, and so, you know, those places we go, like, nothing gets left behind. I mean, um, yeah. it, it, you know, in the, the trackers and, and uh, skinners and those guys are taking the intestines home and frying them up, and every piece gets used. And that's one of the reasons I love buffalo hunting is because that is an animal that every inch of that thing is going to get utilized. And, and what doesn't go on the grill is going in a pot and getting boiled. Um, and so yeah. it's just a really, really cool, like, I don't know, everything about it is, is positive on, on that. If you're hunting in an area where the animal's thriving, it's just a real positive experience. So, um, I'm, I'm jealous that, that that's probably going to be next for you. I'm really bummed out for you that Australia canned it, but, um, yeah, you know, so I guess it'll be next year. You know, it's something where you and I experience, and you probably have much longer than I have. But, you know, people listening, because interesting, most gun people aren't hunters. but And yeah. I wasn't either, and I grew up in the city and stuff, and my family wasn't into that. But, you know, hopefully, I hope every week to inspire some people to go try it. And what an interesting experience and fulfilling experience and just relaxing and exciting like you said you know i could i've fallen asleep hunting a bunch of times it's been great i've been so relaxed and then i've had my heart pound out of my chest just like you said um it's it's a wonderful time and i hope you know as part of us designing and building the fixed rifle you know from my selfish standpoint was i wanted to build the most practical you know utility and hunting rifle in the world and it's a, you know, being a bolt action, I can take it anywhere in the world. And it's the only gun I want. Um, yep. So, so I would love for more people to experience it. You know, and people to understand, like, you know, as we know, as we know, hunters are the conservationists. You know, that's what yep. funds all the conservation. Um, so, well, we get, we know, get a just, bad rap. And, and I, you know, I talk about, horns and stuff like that not that that is like i love to bring like i love to bring a trophy home but a trophy to me like i'll also tell you this i have never once taken a tape to any animal i've ever killed i have no idea what my cape buffalo would score um i don't have any idea what any of my white-tailed deer score i have a pretty good idea because i can eyeball a score on a white-tail pretty good but um yeah. i uh i've never never scored an animal never taken a tape to an animal I like killing old, mature animals that have bred out. So when when we kill a buffalo or something, we're not killing some some buffalo in his teenage area of his life. You know, we're, we want 
we want the old warrior that is he's past his breeding time and and he's he's bred out and he's just a gnarly old bull with a lot of character on his horns and stuff like that like I think about that stuff before I pull the trigger. Is this is this animal like is this a good one to go ahead and remove? And um, and you know we get a bad rap because a lot of times, especially on social media or on television or whatever, the first thing somebody does when they kill an animal is they walk up to it and they start scoring it. What do you think this is going to score? Is this going to get me in the record book? Whatever. And if that's your motivation, fine. That's like that's that's you know I'm not going to hate on you for it. It's it's certainly not my motivation, but Everybody has their own, own motivations for doing their stuff, and I, I like to take the live and let live approach. But I just I know that if we if we hunt properly, if we do our job as hunters, it is a positive for um, that animal, for that species, uh, and and it's a win win. And the money that we spend to do this stuff, I mean, you and I like going over to Africa or going to going to whatever country we're going to be hunting in that supports that supports the local economy that pays for that 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 skinner is taking home to taking money home to his family he's taking meat home to his family um the tracker he's taking money and meat home to his family the ph is doing the same thing i mean and 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 we're leaving a good imprint in that ecosystem and so it's uh it, it's I don't want to get too too hippie on it, but it is a good thing to do if you approach it the right way. Um, and for people that just aren't hunters and they're gun people, and the conversion is usually pretty easy. Um, and yeah, well, to, it's also it was, necessary. Like hunting is, is well, necessary. You said it's Managing population. Well, yeah. you said it was relaxing a minute ago, and it's like yesterday I talked to a psychiatrist for probably. 40 minutes in the truck and it's a female that reached out to me about writing for field ethos and she sent me a sample and in the sample it was talking about um she's actually a psychiatry pa and uh and and the sample was talking about how one of the reasons she loves hunting is because she can really be present and guys like you and i that work a lot and then we have families and stuff like that we have businesses to run and you know, it's hard for me to be present. It's hard for me to tune out yeah. everything else and, and just focus on my kids or tune out everything else and just spend time with my wife or whatever. Like, I just have a million different things that are always on my plate. But when I'm hunting, especially in a remote area, like, that is – it's so easy for me to be present. Like, my phone doesn't work, and it's just me and my buddy or, you know, just me plenty of times hunting by myself and – and there's like all the filters are gone and you're just there and you're outdoors and all your senses are firing. And, and, uh, it is like, I just really related to that. And so I called her yesterday, uh, and we talked about hunting and, and I said, you know, like I'm pretty passionate about mental health issues and stuff like that because of, uh, of my prior career and just seeing what it does to people. And, and I said, why don't you write a, a piece for us on the benefits of hunting uh, for the human psyche and, and what what it can do to connect you to the outdoors and allow you to unplug and the benefits of those things. And she's the perfect person for it. Man, she's so cool. And, uh, and we've talked, awesome. talked for a while, but that's something that, that I would like to see uh, Field Ethos kind of, I told her, I said, if, if it goes well um, and not goes well from a, 
um, from a like audience reception point. But if, if it's a well-written article and it's engaging, um, I, I see plenty of room to have a standing column and everything that we're doing that it kind of unpacks like something that guys like you and I a lot of times having a hard time with, which is being present and unplugging and, and just experiencing those things. And I think a lot of people our age experience the same thing. And so we're going to kind of devote some time to, you know, explaining to people, Hey, here's another motivation for hunting. Here's a, here's a way for you to just cut off all the noise in your life and go do something. And, and here's what happens to you when you do that. Like psychologically you open up and, and, you know, um, it's just there are a lot of benefits to it. So we're going to even go down that the, the psychological route of it pretty soon. It's interesting. You, you know, when you talk about being present with it, it is, it's hard for me a lot of times, you know, especially running like our social media for the company or things, my email, like things like this on my phone. But you get me somewhere hunting, even if I have service and we start seeing animals, it's the only time I forget about being connected or my phone or any of that stuff. Yep. Like it's it's yep. difficult to explain. Um but I totally relate and understand what you're saying. Um man. Hey I saw I on your podcast I take, a, I take a good camera now so that I don't I don't even have to take my phone for my photos. Like I've gotten into photography the last couple of years. I learned photography really in evidence collection but um I've really kind of ramped up my the the photography side of what I do and one of the reasons I love it is because it's another reason to leave my phone behind I've got a camera that's not built into my phone so if I'm hunting and I pull my phone out and take a picture of something it's like it's not I'm not seeing that I have 17 text messages waiting on me or or 12 emails that I haven't looked at yet it's just pulling out my camera and taking a photo and going on about about the rest of the hunt so um yeah I mean it's I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. It's hard for me to do that. Hard for me to, to check off, check out, and get away from get away from my phone or my computer and all that stuff. But hunting is is uh, I'm looking forward to my boys getting a little bit older and my my daughter getting a little bit older and, and hunting with me. They're all you met them. They're all young. Um, but just oh, yeah. to be able to experience that time with them, with like just purely devoted to each other and what we're doing and and having that time and. For anybody that listens to your podcast, it's a non-hunter, but a firearms enthusiast. I would always encourage them, like, you know, buddy up with buddy up with somebody who knows what they're doing, and at least go on one hunt. Don't go on hunt. Yeah. Don't go on a hunt with some dumbass redneck that that just wants to shoot a deer and put it in the back of his truck and drive it around and show it to everybody. Like, pick out a, a truly ethical hunter and somebody that's been doing it a long time, and ask them to take you because uh, it will open your eyes for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting you said your kids are young. Um, do, you, do you hunt with a silencer now? Do you have a silencer? Yeah, um, I do. And, and uh, um, I I try to only hunt with a silencer now. Um, and, yeah. you know, there are times when I can't. But, um, yeah. yes, with with uh, with my kids on, on any rifle hunt we've been on in a while, uh, everything, it, everything I've taken into the field is is uh, suppressed, and so it just makes it makes it, such a it, difference it, with the kids. And that's my my. There's no way my daughters would have hunt. They would hunt with me if it weren't for silencers. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's not nearly as unpleasant. Yeah, they're not it's, scared. It's, uh, um, 
well, not intimidating. It cuts up the recoil if you're going to let them shoot. You know what I mean? Like, it, t- yeah. it cuts the front yeah. of the recoil out. It doesn't, like, it's not like some huge explosion going off that's scaring the hell out of them. It's, um, yeah. no, like, I'm a big fan of hunting with a silencer. Um, and, and I do, that's, it, that's it, I actually bought one in South Africa because you can buy them over the counter there. And, uh, yeah. and so I bought one and left it there, uh, just so when I go back, I can, you know, use it again. And, and, um, it was like, it, it, we bought, you know, just to give you an idea of the difference between what you do and, and their machining and stuff like that. Like we bought two silencers. I bought one. My buddy bought another one. We bought the exact same model. Uh, I think we paid like 175 us dollars for them. Um, they're just like <laughs> off the shelf cans. Right. And, Mine, mine obviously was a POI shift on the range, but my group size did not open up at all. It actually stayed, it didn't shrink, it didn't open up. Um, it, you know, I didn't That's have great. any group size, uh, deviance there. His did, like, his, he shoots a 7 SPW that is, um, one of the more accurate rifles that I've ever seen. And with, with that particular suppressor on his rifle, it's opened up to over an inch at 100 yards and, and, with some of the long-range stuff that we do, that's just absolutely unacceptable. So he he, he ended up just taking it off and, and hunting with his brake because, you know, no, he, he, he makes some long-range shots. But that's just, you know, over there, I didn't expect much. You know, their, 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 um, their machining advancements and things like that, especially for a $175 can, you know, I didn't expect a whole lot. But mine was great. His wasn't. But they're not doing, you know, they're they're not they're not doing it the same way you guys are doing, and and uh, I'm no. sure some companies over there are, but not for 175 dollars or not. Um, I mean, but, it is the advantage yeah. of it being regulated, is people have to go through the process, pay the tax. They want something that'll last them forever. But yeah, I mean, we yeah. have way more than 175 dollars just in materials in our silencers before we even touch sure. it. So, yeah. So it's it's a different thing. Like silencers in this country are decades ahead of the rest of the world. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I can't remember the last time I shot an animal without a silencer. Um, It just makes everything better, better experience overall. Well, man, I'm surprised to hear you guys are going to print next year. What? uh, So you're redoing the podcast. What else you guys doing? So the reason we're doing print is just for those people that do want to have it. And um, it's something fun to do as well. And the way we see it, there's really no downside for us to do it. Uh, we're going to, like, I'm, I'm on the print side, I very, wanna, I very much want to play it safe with uh, the cost and everything else. I've seen some of the newer modern hunting magazines and stuff out there that are that are, you know, $40, uh, $35 or whatever they are per issue. And, and they're, they're super wow. well done, but they're, they're very expensive. And, and, um, and so we're going to do print on demand, which means we give up like almost all of our profit margin on, on the print product when we do print on demand. But mm-hmm. we also, we also don't run the risk of printing 10,000 copies of something and selling 7,000. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's really no, downside for us doing it we're not going to lose money on it we're not going to really make much money on it um if it broke even if the print broke even uh just like the the sale of the actual magazine itself if that broke even i'd be happy uh i'd like to do more than break even sure. and break even obviously we're a business but um you know i i want to make sure we don't lose money on print 
Um, and with the model that we have set up, we're not going to. So um, that's why we're going to do print. It's just a, just a, you know, because I love print. Like I still love picking up a book. I read a lot of my, on my Kindle, but uh, on my phone or on my iPad, but um, I still love picking up a book. And the reason I love buying books in print, I still buy a lot of books in print and buy used books off of eBay and Amazon and stuff. And it's because if I like something, if I really like a book, the first thing I want to, you can't do that with like a Kindle or, or whatever else, or, um, we, we can always, we can always share our, we can always share our, uh, articles online just with, you know, a copy and a paste of a link and send it to somebody. But with a print magazine, like if I get a, if I get a sporting classics in the mail and I just, it, it, awesome issue and I want to give it to somebody else, it's the first thing that I do. It's like, man, I love this. I want somebody else to enjoy it and I just give it to them. Um, and so I, I really like that about print. It's just how shareable it is with other people. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a motivation enough for, for me to want to do it. Um, our, our that's business great. model and revenue model is all based off of digital, really. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's really just for guys like me that, that want to pick up a magazine and read it and then give it away. Um, and so that's, that's why we're going to do that. But, um, as far as what, what else we have going on, um, we have, uh, a really cool films platform. And next time you go on our website, uh, use the drop down menu and click on films and you'll see, um, you'll see a couple of different things, but, uh, the West of Texas show that, that we have, uh, the rights to, um, it, it really is. It's like, I watched, uh, I watched a documentary when I was in my early twenties, uh, called, um, The Long Way Round. And Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman, um, they both love motorcycles. And so they bought these BMW motorcycles yeah. and they outfitted them for long range riding. And it's something that I, that I was, uh, passionate about myself too, is off-road, off-road dirt biking and adventure riding, uh, long range trips with your camping gear and stuff like that. I watched this thing and, and, uh, I watched it with a buddy of mine who'd never ridden a motorcycle. And he, he watched this whole thing start to finish with me. And it was all about the adventure. It wasn't about, I mean, it doesn't have to be a motorcycle, whatever it is. It just, it lit a fire in him to like, man, I want to take an adventure. And, um, and so that's what I want our film stuff to do. I, and that's what I want our content to do. I want it to be more about the adventure than the kill at the end of the hunt. If we do our job right, uh, our stories will have hunting and fishing or whatever we're doing in the field as the subtext. But the real meat of the story is like, man, these guys went on an adventure and they met some really cool people and they, you know, they experienced a culture they had never seen. They ate some great food and just had this spectacular time. And yeah, they hunted these animals and they killed these animals and, and, uh, and that was a cool part of it. But the stuff that I always remember from the bigger trips is, is um just the adventure of it all and and the experience rather than definitely than than just that that instant that that one instant of the trip where you drop the hammer on something uh, and that's what Stephen West has done with West of Texas. It's very much a documentary style adventure documentary style look at hunting and he's also done some really cool stuff for this next season, which is um they really bring in a heavy biological component. Uh, they have scientists in the field with them while they're hunting and, and they're looking at, you know, the species of animal and, um, what's going on within that, that, that ecosystem. So they're, they're bringing kind of a scientific approach into, 
the adventure side of what he's doing, which I think is very, very cool. And, um, and so we're looking to bring in some more, um, short films and things like that. Um, we want to be just an outlet for people to be able to watch that kind of stuff. So, um, that's something that, um, that we plan to invest quite a bit of money into is, is the film side of our project and, and, uh, just be, just be a platform where film creators, content creators can host their projects. Um, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll make sure they're in line with, with, uh, with what we feel like is good for hunting and, um, and then we'll promote them. And, and just to touch on one more thing before we're done with that is, and, and you may be like, like me in, in this regard with hunting, you're, you're, as you've gotten into hunting, I, I, you know, when I got into the industry, I was really kind of disenfranchised very quickly with the personalities and some of the people that I met that I thought I would like, you know, I, I read about him in a magazine or read a, read one of their books or something, and then I met him and was like, man, this guy's an asshole, and he really doesn't care about really doesn't care about the big picture. He just wants to promote himself. And and but what I've had to do over the last two years is just when I look at projects that leave a bad taste in my mouth because I know what all is going on behind the scenes and what the motivations are and how they put these projects together, I have to look at them and just go. Is that good for hunting? Is that a net positive for hunting and, and for recruitment and for getting more hunters involved? And, and if the answer is yes, then, then I can stomach it a little bit easier. But, uh, as far as our content goes, um, yeah, you know, that's good. People, is this good for hunting? People, especially, uh, I think on social media and being able to be, um, uh, anonymous a lot of times, but we'll pick things apart. You know, and it's, there's just really no all good and all bad. But you're right. Look at things as a net sum. Is this, is this good for hunting or good for firearms or bad overall? Um, you know, that's an important question for everybody to ask themselves. Um, so I think that's a great point. Uh, because, you know, there's just like firearms, there's a lot of emotional responses and ignorance when it comes to hunting. Um, you know, and everybody does it differently, and I'm with you. Like, if, if you trophy hunt, I'm cool with that. If you're ethical and things like this, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I probably do both. Uh, you yeah. know, I hunt for meat. I, I hunt for trophies. I hunt, um, you know, for conservation and to control population. Like, I'm interested in all of it. And, and so, uh, trying to push, you know, project my morals or my beliefs on it on someone else doesn't seem proper. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Well, man, I, I'd been... say the greatest, the greatest, uh, the, I'd say the largest majority of us, um, if someone said, hey, that hunt you're getting ready to go do is bad for the species. It, it really is. The species can't support hunting there. Um, it's, it's not good for, for the animals in that area to go hunt. I know very few people who would want to hunt them. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think we get a bad rap, but, um, hopefully we can change that. But, um, yeah. but yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And, and, uh, as always, just fun talking to you, you know, so. Man, uh, same here. And, th- and thank you so much. And, uh, we're going to have to do this again and follow up. Now look forward to being on your podcast, and I want you to come up and build a rifle, and that would be a great story for for, for y'all's project. Um, I'm coming. I'm, it's I, so I, I interesting. Told you it's it's it's, uh, it's a done deal. I just 
I just have to get up there in, in the next 45 days to do it because it like I don't know. I think showing people uh, what all goes into the to that rifle. I mean, you and I have talked about it, obviously, aside from the podcast, but just showing everybody what you guys are doing at, at Q and and uh, um, you know bringing them bringing them kind of behind the scenes to see the operation stuff like that. I, I think it's a great great thing for us to put out there. So um, would love to well, do thank it. You. And uh, let's do it. Yeah. It'll be great. I think it'll I mean, definitely be great for us. I think it'll be great for you guys. And I think potential consumers in the industry seeing how we do things and what goes into that. And, you know, we can't hide it on a build day. You come and you see the DNA of our company. Um, you yeah. see why we do things. And that's the thing I'm most proud of, and it's the greatest selling feature of anything we produce. So I look forward to that. Man, you drive safe and um, – Thanks again, and let's catch up over the next few days. Man, thank you, and and uh, I'll shoot you a text when I'm on my way back from DC, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll plan the trip up there while I'm here in DC, and and get back home and and uh, figure out when I'm turning around and come back up there. Wonderful. Okay. Well, best of luck to you this week. All right, buddy. Good talking to you. Thanks. Goodbye.